Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications connect to more one if i'm an expert or can explain it but i will say it has been a gift for somebody with my job as, as somebody who teaches business uh, we had a wonderful conversation about it with um, my freshman class yesterday because we just you know you talk about like what's a stock what determines the price how can people bet against stocks and then that that sort of you get you get on the same page with some vocabulary um you know, in one way, Coulter, this boils down to a simple story. It's like who has the power in the market and what does the stock price represent? Um, those are kind of simple ideas uh, in one sense, but there's a whole lot of more complicated and um, spin-off ideas that are also at play here. Um, yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? You want to start with like what, what my theory of the case is, or or where I think it's going to go? Well, let's start with the 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 way that this is sort of tied into sports because yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. of different ties into sports. Specifically, one of the guys that has been um, promoting and purporting this has been Dave Portnoy. He's the founder of Barstool Sports, and Portnoy has gone from sort of a um, Fringe is the wrong word, but sort of a, an outsider in the sports media industry to then an absolutely massive disruptor in the sports media industry. And his platform has become enormous. He himself has become very wealthy. He himself has become very influential. And he does these TikToks spouting off on all sorts of issues. But one thing that he's really been hammering is the stock market. And with this new ability for the common man, so to speak, to buy even just um, shares and fractions of stocks using apps like Robinhood, then all of a sudden that influence can actually set and create a market. And that in itself is fascinating. Mm -hmm. But just to take us through sort of the connection between sports and this phenomenon that then has occurred on the stock market. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we that, that's a great observation. I, I think we sort of have to understand this um, GameStop story within the overall context of the moment we're living through, um, both today and over the last year or so. I mean, when the pandemic hit, you know, things like Las Vegas shut down, things like um, professional sports shut down, and to some degree those, those sort of um, – those pieces of entertainment in many ways has opened back up, but immediately there was no place to go if you were in gambling. And we saw, you know, the rise of Robin hood in that time. And we saw, you know, a lot more people starting to invest in the stock market. And I don't know even if invest is the right word. I mean, invest, it sort of implies that you're buying a piece of a company because you believe in their business model. We saw people sort of getting involved in the stock market in a betting sense. And in some ways, you know, more access, you know, in some ways like an app like Robinhood is great in that it it kind of democratizes the stock market in the sense that it makes it more accessible. You know, not many people can buy a share of Tesla stock at $4,000, but, you know, Robinhood allows you to buy fractions of shares, you know, for whatever amount you want to invest. And so, yeah, we saw a lot of activity there and, you know, a lot of people with, with more sort of disposal time and, you know, the, the data would suggest that uh, savings rates are through the roof during the pandemic and, you know, maybe you have some stimulus check money on your hands and uh, you want to play the markets because you can't bet on the games. And so, yeah, that's just like fertile ground for this moment. And then you layer on all these cultural factors too, like we're in this moment where like, People are angry with the experts, right? People sort of feel like they've been left behind by a lot of the institutions, um, whether that's the government, whether that's the CDC, whether that's, you know, who knows what it is, the stock market being one of those institutions. So here was a moment where, you know, the, the masses sort of saw an opportunity to stick it to the man, the man being hedge fund managers and, and sort of the, you know, the titans of Wall Street, and they jumped on that opportunity. Some because they saw an opportunity to make a lot of money, and then others just kind of for the fun of it. And I think that for the fun of it narrative is interesting too, um, because that's not ordinarily a reason why somebody makes trades in the stock market. I mean, sure, there's a rush associated with it for some, but people just sort of piling on for the fun of it is, um, is an interesting dynamic too. Justin Nagel joining us. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications every other Tuesday right here on Nuanez now, usually in the 5 o'clock hour. That's an interesting element of this too, Justin, is the fact that there's a there's a competitive element to gambling. I think that the mm-hmm. fact that there is sports gambling now, it accentuates that competitive element because now you can be involved in a direct and tangible fashion with games that you would no, otherwise have nothing but an emotional attachment to. Now you can have a financial attachment to that game that you might be betting on or that performance you might be betting on. And I think that it is interesting, too, because we've seen the competitiveness trickle into gambling, buying and selling things online, particularly when it comes to sports memorabilia, and now stocks. So what is your analysis in terms of um, the influence, the impact, and also maybe the health or lack thereof that it can have on the overall economy when you talk about people like you just said? It's a completely new phenomenon for people to just be 
not even investing, but doing the, doing uh, stock trading for the fun of it. How does that affect then just the landscape as a whole and the health of an overall economy? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I think that, you know, there's always been speculators in the market of various types, professional speculators, amateur speculators, whatever. Um, it's a bit idealistic to think that the stock market and stock prices should represent um, what the market thinks the actual value of a company is. And I say value, meaning like how good business models do they have? What, is their, what are their prospects for future earnings and, and sustaining those earnings? You know, we like to think that a market capitalization reflects that, you know, but there's, there's been this kind of speculation type trading, um, whether you're just betting on momentum or other factors, uh, that has kind of been in there too. So what we're seeing now isn't necessarily new, but I think the tools and the, the moment we're in kind of accelerates it. And I think too, like you hinted at this a moment ago, there's a performative aspect here. You know, if you, if, if you follow the Reddit thread um, or subreddit Wall Street Bets, or if you follow social media, you know, when we suggest that people are, are in this trade for the fun of it, you know, there is a social value that people derive from kind of displaying that they've done something spectacular, whether that's a sports bet or a stock bet. And what I mean by spectacular, meaning like just stands out in some way. Maybe it makes them a ton of money. Maybe it loses them a ton of money. Maybe it goes against the conventional wisdom. But there is this kind of performative effect that's now sort of carried over into stock trading. Um, and I don't know, I don't think, I don't think we know yet, but, but I think we have a pretty good idea that social media in general is not healthy for us, and just in terms of the psychological effects it has on us. Um, and now, like, if, if you wrap in people kind of putting their dollars at risk, uh, that could have really big implications as well. And it's destabilizing. I mean, that's one of the things I think, you know, the, the traditional power brokers on Wall Street, and believe me, I'm not... I don't have no sympathy for the hedge fund managers in this. Um, <laughs> I think you're, in, you're. I think you're in a massive group of people that are, we're all. This is the whole most crazy part about this, right? Is we've become so divided as a country, and the one thing that brought us all together was just right. sticking it to the hedge fund guys. Yeah, totally. But it does introduce some some like sort of uh, instability in the system, if you will. And, and it's great to see the little guy have his or her day, but you know, in the long run. I think the deck is stacked a little against the little guy, right? When you have like a lot of people making small trades versus a small number of people making really big trades, unfortunately that too big to fail um, idiom comes back into play. And a lot of these hedge funds are so big that if you let them fail, the ripple effects, you know, could be devastating to the entire economy. And that, that sort of risk in the system is dangerous. And we haven't really figured out how to, how to resolve it. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. Justin Angle joining us. It is a business angle podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications. It airs right here on Nuanas Now during the 5 o'clock hour every other Tuesday. You can also find it as a standalone podcast on 1029ESPN.com or on all your various podcasting platforms. And I could talk about this forever, Justin, but we do have a couple other things to get to. I've been reading the Wall Street Journal more than I ever have in my life because of the fascination with this exact thing, but it led us then to a piece 
about the NFL and the massive study that they've done when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic, the spread and some of the statistics that we found from it. But then also to put it in perspective, the fact that we finally reached the end of the NFL season and the NFL, like a lot of sports leagues, but probably more thoroughly than any other professional sports league, absolutely uh, trudged through and, and no hardly any cancellations uh, during this in, entire 20-plus week um, saga. And so you read this article as well. What are some of the things that stood out to you? Well, I mean, I think we see an organization that's invested in in understanding the data you know, collecting the data, understanding it, and making decisions that are data-driven, and, and, and being agile. I mean, yes, they did make it through the season. It did seem precarious at a moment, like we had that outbreak with the Titans, um, but we learned a lot from that, and kind of the, the, the key takeaways the NFL learned through the close to one million tests that they conducted between August and January, you know, that's like 7,000 tests a week, um, they learned that coronavirus, at least in the NFL player population, could be transferred, could be trans- transmitted um, in situations that were um, kind of within the recommendations of the CDC. So what I mean by that is like they detected transmission in close contacts that were less than 15 minutes. They detected transmissions in situations where people were more than six feet apart. And so they were realizing that whether it's the nature of, you know, their facilities or you know, the types of interactions their players were having in practice and in tape sessions or wherever, that they needed to be more aggressive with their protocols. And so they made quick changes to, to sort of develop policy around cumulative time of contact, distance, ventilation. And I think in many ways, like understanding the data and making policy based on those data you know, really kind of are what saved the season. And compliance. I mean, there, there were some cases early on of guys getting suspended for, you know, you know, what was that? Like, we talked about the Denver Broncos. They were down to like three quarterbacks or one quarterback, right? Or no quarterbacks because their three quarterbacks had sort of violated the rules and there was a penalty there. Well, you know, we were a little harsh on those penalties at the time, but, you know, maybe that was what the NFL needed to do to get compliance and make it through the season because those cases of um, sort of players not abiding by the even stricter policies, we didn't hear stories like that toward the end of the season. So I think this is a success story in the sense that you have, uh, you know, an institution, an organization that, you know, learned from data and made agile decisions to, uh, to protect its business. And I think really you got to go back to August for this too, because when the NFL started, if you would have put a percentage poll out there of what's the percentage chance they're going to finish the season, number one, but finish without any cancellations at all, number two, pretty impressive in its own right. Justin, how groundbreaking do you think the NFL going through the last couple of months? Has it been just the advanced research stage that you were talking about compared to, you just talked about it with uh, the, the GameStop angle and everything in between of just being the common folk, right? And, and sticking it to the man, so to speak, just having that model um, for the NFL of it being 
you know, as big of a platform as it is, how groundbreaking was it for all of us to maybe watch the NFL of how they did enforce those protocols that, okay, this works, this doesn't. I don't want to say guinea pig, but kind of in the sense where the NFL is so high profile, how beneficial was it to kind of for all of us to see how they navigated through it and how they eventually, it is a success story now that we've gotten to Super Bowl week. Well, we'll sort of have to see how that plays out. I mean, I like to think of it as a moment where, you know, an institution made good decisions, right, and was able to change course midstream and and get its people to comply. Um, you know, I, I think we need a little bit more of that in our society. Like, I don't know why coronavirus has become so politicized and mask wearing has become so politicized. Um, it's a little baffling to me. Let's follow the data and learn from it and make, you know, and be able to sort of understand, like the whole thing with masks from the beginning, there was some confusion, bad communication, um, policies were changing, and that creates doubt, right? And so you know, I, I think there is a lot to learn, not only in terms of how we make policy, um, but also how we communicate it and get people to buy into it. You know, the NFL has a lot of levers, um, that, you know, society, state governments, county county health departments, federal governments don't necessarily have. But um, I do think there's a lot to learn here. And, you know, I, and the key takeaway to me is, like, like coronavirus can be managed, can be managed effectively. Um, and there, there are risks associated with it. But, but it seems like, the, you know, first the NBA and then the NFL are pretty good case studies on how to do it. A business angle with Justin Angle every other Tuesday right here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, presented by Blackfoot Communications. And Justin, I want to talk a little bit about the the uh, the fun part of the Super Bowl, or at least one of the most fun parts of the Super Bowl, and that's the Super Bowl ads. We were talking in segment one. Uh, one of the things that I'm most excited for is just to see all of the ways that the game is different, from the presentation of it to the atmosphere within the stadium, uh, to the pre- and post-game, to everything, everything that's going to happen on Super Bowl Sunday. But then another interesting factor is just all the different changes and how much different it's likely going to be in between plays, in between when the game is not being played, when it is commercial time. So what sort of uh, differences and changes have we been able to confirm that, you, that maybe you expect to be different this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, a lot's going to be different in terms of, you know, just the number of people in the stands and so forth. Um, and, you know, we're learning, I think in our last conversation, we talked about how the, you know, some of the bigger players were, were, were backing out. Um, Coke and, and Pepsi, for example. At that point, the Super Bowl had supply, the inventory had not yet sold out. It didn't sell out until just last week, the 27th. That's pretty late in the game. Um, and, you know, after the, our, our last conversation, we learned that Budweiser was leaving the game. And, you know, kind of thought about, like, why would Budweiser skip out on the game? It's the first time in 37 years. Um, they announced that they were putting the funds toward vaccine awareness instead. But you got to think from Budweiser's perspective, like, think about what that brand represents and particularly how it communicates um, what the brand is about in the Super Bowl. I mean, they do it through patriotism. They do it through Americana. And it's just a tough moment to, I think, hit that particular note right at the moment. It would seem too risky. Like, even great execution could, could be a mess. Um, you know, I think other brands um, 
operate in that space too, particularly with Super Bowl. So it gets me thinking that you know that the type of advertising, the theme of it, is going to be less sort of draped in the flag than we've seen in the past. Um, and the other thing too is like a lot of the other big brands are out. Like the auto segment is really underrepresented. The likes of Audi and BMW and, and Lexus, Mercedes, Hyundai, Ford, they're sitting it out. So there's a lot of newbies coming in. Firms like DoorDash and Fiverr and Vroom and Mercari, like these are in DraftKings and Chipotle, like new brands, not all in the tech sector, mostly in the tech sector. Um, but it'll just be really interesting to see how they portray their brands and kind of play in this space that's really a big stage. I mean, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on these brands for the first time ever, and we'll see kind of how they choose to represent themselves. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited. I don't exactly know what to predict. Some, some, ads, some brands have sort of foreshadowed their ads, but, um, yeah, we'll sort of have to wait and see it. Oh, and it's a groundbreaking moment, too, for some of these newbies that you just mentioned. This is, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of financial backing to to get a Super Bowl ad in between. So I guess my, my question to you, Justin, the biggest surprises, the biggest surprises to you of who is jumping into the ring here and uh, taking the plunge of a Super Bowl ad, and also uh, of the ones that you just mentioned, who's the biggest surprise that is maybe taking a year off with uh, Super Bowl ads? Yeah, I mean, Budweiser was a big surprise to me, 37-year run, and, you know, and, and, and in some ways, like, I, I was sort of disappointed. You know, I mentioned before, like, how kind of fraught political time this is. Um, you know, I remember, what was it, 2002 Super Bowl ad, the first Super Bowl after 9-11. That Budweiser ad, you know, that was a tearjerker. It was like it just sort of grounded you. Okay, you know, if the world is right, there's a there's the Super Bowl and a Budweiser ad, and you know, it felt like um, a lot of America kind of needed that. And so I'll I'll miss that. Um, you know, whatever the message is, just seeing those Clydesdales is helpful at the moment. Um, as far as the newbies go, surprises. I mean, if you look at some of these companies, and a lot of these companies, I I really not have a lot of familiar with uh, familiarity with, like Fiverr, for example. They're an online freelance job site. Um, DoorDash makes sense, right? They're, they're gobbling up share under this sort of existence we're living in. It's kind of these uh, online operators, whether it's food delivery or, or distributed job service or some sort of an online marketplace. These are categories, like the companies that are investing in this moment, the, the new players, you know, it's surprising to see new brands in a space but in other ways, it's not surprising because so much of the, the you know our spending habits are moving towards these types of services under the under sort of this COVID nineteen environment, right? Whether it's online marketplace or food delivery or whatever. Um, so in one, one ways, it's surprising because you know we just don't know these brands that they're, they're new to the party. But in other ways, you know it makes sense um, that those sort of uh, businesses are gobbling up share. He's Justin Engel. It is a business angle every other Tuesday right here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide on SWX Montana Television. You can also find this interview in podcast form as well on all your podcasting platforms and 1029ESPN.com. And Justin, you also have your own podcast, the New Angle Podcast, one of the best going anywhere in the world. Tell us what's going on at the New Angle right now. What, uh, what sort of stuff you got cooking? Yeah, we had a great episode released today with this really amazing woman in our community, Amy Allison Thompson. She is the executive director of the Pavarella Center, 
And so, you know, when, when I spoke to Amy a while back for this interview, I was sort of thinking about, like, you know, a lot of our jobs have been made more difficult by COVID, but um, it's hard for me to think of a person in a leadership position whose job has been made more difficult than Amy. So it was interesting to learn about her approach to that. Um, we kind of dispelled some of the the common uh, misperceptions or misconceptions about homelessness. And, uh, yeah, it's a good lesson, um, particularly if you're interested in, in the well-being of the community. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, a new angle podcast as well as a business angle with Justin. Justin, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you here in a couple weeks and enjoy yourself uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Indeed, you as well. Be well, fellas. It is a business angle with Justin Angle each and every, I guess, every other, I should say, Tuesday right here on Nuanez. Now, we got to get out. We're late. Treasure State Stars, Youth Sports, and all things Super Bowl coming at you. Nuanez now. Why was the basketball court all wet? Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.